Hi, and welcome to episode 11 of IoT This Week. I'm Craig Smith. I'll be your host. It is December 4th, 2015. So after a little uh, brief hiatus um, from the podcast, we'll get back at it. Um, So let's get started. Okay, so for our first story, uh, this involves um, actually a patent lawsuit, and I think this is something we'll likely see more of um, as the Internet of Things gets more and uh, more widely adopted. Um, I think we're going to start seeing uh, various um, patent trolls um, you know, start to rear their ugly head when it comes to Internet of Things, um, similar to what we've seen in other areas of technology. Um, where the patents aren't exactly clear, and usually the patents are pretty um, overreaching, I guess. Um, but anyway, this one, this particular story has to do with a patent lawsuit coming out of uh, Florida, um, the Patent Troll Atlas LLC. They filed a lawsuit against the munis- municipality of Napper- Napperville, Illinois, um, for the use of smart meters, which they rolled out um, community-wide in their area. So, and the smart meters they rolled out use the Zigbee protocol. Um, so basically what they're saying is that their patent covers wireless communication where a hub node controls remote node responses. So basically that's what they're filing an infringement lawsuit against or over um, against the uh, Napperville Illinois municipality. So, like I said, I think this is something, unfortunately, we're going to probably see more of um, as the Internet of Things becomes more widely uh, put to use. Okay, so in our next story, um, this one comes to us, um, compliments of Ars Technica, where the DHS is basically asking Silicon Valley um, to tell them how to secure the Internet of Things. So Homeland Security, um, they announced that it's Silicon Valley office, or as they call it, SVO. Um, they will be holding an event on December 10th um, to kind of kick off a recruiting drive for startups and other non-traditional small businesses um, You know, interested in seeing how they can procure some kind of government funding. So um, I think what they're, so what they're calling the Industry Day, um, so it's actually going to be held out in California in Menlo Park, and the it's a three-hour event, and what they're describing the time to be used for is, one, describe the Homeland Security challenges associated with IoT, um, two, describe the benefits of the SVO innovation program to startups. Again, SVO is the Silicon Valley Office of Homeland Security. And three is to show you how, well, show the businesses how to apply for uh, government funding. So, um, looks like earlier this year, as part of the part of the rest of the story, it looks like earlier this year, the agency's um, science and technology directorate they launched a cyber physical system security program, um, otherwise known as the CPS SEC, um, in the hopes of spurring development of security measures as part of design process for um, IoT devices. <coughs> so, excuse me. So the, again, they're looking to address issues as um, medical devices, which can, which, uh, you know, hence the term cyber, cyber physical. So they're basically devices that are connected to the internet, but they're also, there's also a physical component component of it, you know, especially with medical devices attached to somebody 
where a hacking of the device could, um, in, in theory, cause a death or serious harm to whoever might be running that or wearing that particular device. Um, so it looks like last month um, there, the, the Homeland Security's of, Directorate of Science and Technology, they awarded um, $1.8 million in funding to the Medical Devices Innovation Safety and Security Consortium. So it's yet another um, security cons- consortium related to Internet of Things. Um, I'm, and I'm sure you guys have heard me say on uh, past podcasts, I mean, there's quite a few different various consortiums out there. There's some for medical devices, some for cars, um, just all kinds of different consortiums out there trying to put some kind of security standards in place around uh, the Internet of Things devices. So... Basically what uh, Homeland Security, they're basically trying, they're not trying to like hand out tons of just cash and which usually ends up getting wasted at some point, but they are trying to create some kind of cash initiative to help um, these various startups and so forth actually look at security as part of IoT and get that in place, you know, before they actually put these things out on the market. And then our next story comes from uh, nextgov.com, which I thought it was a pretty... um, it's interesting, but it's also, it's kind of, you'll get a good chuckle out of reading some of this um, article, but basically the title is 18 Internet of Things Devices That Have No Business Being Connected to the Internet. So I thought this was uh, pretty humorous. Uh, so I'll just go through some of the uh, things they actually have in here. So uh, so one of the categories they have is babies. Um, apparently there are connected onesies and connected socks, which uh, monitor the baby's heart rate and oxygen levels. Um there's also bike tires that apparently are connected to the internet, um, crockpots. Um, so, you know, your Wi-Fi enabled uh, crockpot. Um, actually, there was a story a while ago, I think it was about a teapot actually in the UK that was actually had some kind of issue with it where it was actually, so it was Wi-Fi connected and it was actually spewing out um, the passwords to um, the Wi-Fi networks it was connected to. So anyway, so Crock-Pots was one. Um, credit cards, um, apparently there's, let's see, the coin. Um, so it's a Bluetooth-connected card. Uh, let's see, what else do they have? So cups, apparently there's a web-connected cup called the Vessel um, that tells you what the liquid you're drinking is, um, <laughs> which is pretty humorous. Um, so diaper bags, there's apparently internet connected diaper bags, um, dogs. Um, so something called a fit bark, uh, which is an activity tracker for dogs. Um, so that's actually connected, um, apparently not to be left out horses. Um, there's also something that tracks your horse's activity levels <laughs> that's connected to the, uh, actually talks to your Apple watch. Um, pepper spray did not know that pepper spray was internet connected. Um, let's see rings. Uh, let's see. That's called the MOTA smart ring. Uh, sends notifications to a tiny screen in your finger. Uh, no one. Oh, so it's notice. So it's notifications for your finger. <laughs> so shoes, some of the other ones, shoes, suitcases, soccer balls, apparently, um, toaster ovens, toothbrushes and toilets. So that's, that's just some of the, 18 things that are, are uh, connected to the internet, which apparently, um, yeah, they don't seem to, I'm not sure. I'm sure somebody probably likes these things being connected to the internet, but, uh, yeah, they probably don't have, in the end, they probably don't have a lot of business being connected to the internet. So anyway, so I found that, uh, article was kind of amusing. 
And I, and then our next story um, is about uh, Formula One and how they are implementing IoT. So, actually, this one's rather interesting, um, just from the pure standpoint of Internet of Things. But it's also interesting from my standpoint since I've been following Formula One racing for a while now. Um, but if you follow Formula One at all, you'll know that they have tons and tons and tons of telemetry that comes out of the cars that they have to um, actually collect and process in order to make various decisions or or the car makes adjustments on its own to how the thing drives or whatever it might be. Um, they also not only collect that information in real time at the track, but they're also sending it back real time to wherever their home base is. And a lot of these um, Formula One teams are based out of the UK, so... One of the things I read in the article was that uh, when they have the Australia race, which is usually the, it's the first race of the year, um, they're actually sending data telemetry from the cars to the racetrack and then back to the UK, um, where most of the, like I said, most of these teams are, are headquarters. And it usually takes around, it takes less than 300 milliseconds for that data to get back um, to their home base. So it's pretty, um, it's pretty fascinating that all this data they're collecting is actually just it's just, i mean it's just right in you know it's right in um right in line with a lot of the internet of things and all this various information that's being collected not only is it being collected locally at the racetrack but it's also being fired off you know back from australia all the way to the uk in less than 300 milliseconds so again um yeah it's pretty interesting to read set to see how they're collecting all this information and how much data they're collecting and you know basically it's something you probably don't really think of when you think of race cars but i mean really formula one's got they're right up there as far as big data and how much uh, data they're collecting. So anyway, give it a read. It's pretty interesting. Okay, so the next story um, came out yesterday. Actually, it's um, in regards to the uh, Windows 10 IoT Core. So they had a couple things come out yesterday, um, December 3rd. Um, they've actually got a new build of the IoT release, and it's build uh, 10586. So one of the things I'm interested in, I haven't had a chance to look at yet, um, it does have support for Secure Boot um, now in this particular version. So let me just go through a quick um, uh, list of some of the new features in the release notes here. So if you if you uh, spend much time um, working with a Raspberry Pi, they've got serial support on the Raspberry on the Raspberry Pi for transmit and receive pins. Um, They've also got high-performance GPIO driver option um, with greater than 100 times improvement. Um, support for the Qualcomm Dragon Board. So if you happen to be looking to work with a Dragon Board and use Windows 10 IoT on that, they've got support for that now. Um, they've got up some updated features for Windows Device Portal uh, Secure Boot, which I just mentioned. Um, they have a third-party pure Python library compatibility now. Um, they also have PWM and ADC chip support. Um, they updated the base OS build, and, of course, there's the various bug fixes. So not only did they come out with a new release of uh, Windows 10 IoT Core, but they've also apparently released a Windows 10 IoT Core Pro version. So there doesn't look like there's too much difference in it, but it looks like the at least the Pro version, um, the version is going to allow OEMs to defer updates and control distribution of updates to Windows 10 IoT via um, the Windows Server update services. So anyway, so if you are um, actively working with uh, Windows 10 IoT, again, there's a new build out and um, 
one of the things in the past podcast, I did a short little video on installing Windows 10 IoT onto the Raspberry Pi, which is actually pretty cool. Um, so hopefully I'd like to put some uh, more videos together um, in regards to the Raspberry Pi and Windows 10 IoT. Um, so we'll see how those go as they release new features and so forth. But anyway, have a look at that um, if you're interested. And then our next story comes from itproportal.com where they, um, well, actually it was 4051 Research. They actually took a look at the Internet of Things and put together a list of what they think will be trends as far as 2016 goes. So they um, had a handful of items in here, what they thought would be the key cha- key challenges facing um, the IoT sector in 2016. So I'll just go through these really quickly. Um, so the first one, which is pretty interesting, um, uh, which is a lot, I think it, um, I think it actually jives with what's going on in the IOT market right now. So the first one is business process changes will continue to be the largest barrier to IOT adoption, which I think is like entirely true. Um, given that, um, businesses are having a, there, it's a big challenge to them to figure out how to handle, um, IOT right now. So two would be the communication protocols at the edge will remain fragmented. Um, That's probably true as well because there's tons and tons of IoT, different IoT protocols out there right now, and there doesn't seem to be any um, consolidation happening right now. Um, And that probably won't happen until at least sometime in the future when the whole industry kind of just um, agrees on some kind of uh, standard or framework or so forth. Three would be LTE-M timing gap and new um, LP WAN upstarts will force the hand of operators. Um, Four, the volume and management of data generated by things will continue to present new opportunities and challenges to storage, cloud analytics, and visualization vendors. Um, That's got to be entirely true because there's tons and tons of data coming off um, IoT devices, just what's out there now. Um, pricing number five pricing for IOT components is rapidly declining um, for sure as more of these things get out there the prices are going to continue to fall and the components will become cheaper and cheaper um, and then six security of IOT continues to be a source of major concern for earlier early IOT adopters um, as they connect previously unconnected industrial OT systems so Anyway, interesting article on what the 451 Research sees as trends in 2016 as part of the Internet of Things. Okay, so in our um, security and privacy section, um, the first story, and you guys guys have probably seen this in the news already, um, the toy maker VTech was hacked. Um, So they're... um, Servers in the and it's a Hong Kong-based company, so their servers were hacked, um, and what, they ended up um, after the hack. The information that got exposed was names, email addresses, passwords, and home addresses of almost five million parents, and the first names, genders, and birthdays of more than two hundred thousand kids. Um, now is. One of the other things the hack revealed was that VTech is actually storing um, kids' selfies, voice recordings, and even the entire chat logs between parents and their kids. So, so I mean, I mean as we've seen other um, data get exposed in regards to adults, um, 
Yeah, this one's a little disturbing that it's actually um, exposing um, information related to kids. And, you know, not only kids, but their parents as well. Um, so, yeah, it's just another uh, story where, you know, these devices are getting put on the market without any thought to security and ramifications. Um, if these devices get hacked or the servers that all this data is being stored on, they get hacked. So, anyway, just... Uh, just another uh, security story to kind of put things in perspective as far as um, making sure these devices actually go out into the market secure instead of trying to just to throw them out of the market then do something about them later. And then a couple other brief mentions in the uh, security and privacy um, section of the podcast. So, again, I'll just mention briefly that uh, the Windows 10 IoT Core, they've actually, in the release notes, it says that Secure Boot is enabled. Um, that just came out yesterday. I haven't had a chance to actually look at any of that yet, um, but I hope to um, soon here. Um, then the other story, and this actually came out, um, I think, September, actually, but I just wanted to mention it again. Um, so NIST has released the um, or released a draft framework um, for cyber physical security. So I would definitely have a look at that. Um, it's, it's, a, it's intended to cover... Um, or to address security threats in you know, cyber physical systems, including connected vehicles, uh, wearable technology, um, and even intelligent buildings. So, again, you know, something similar to what I mentioned before, medical devices, um, where there's the potential for, or even cars for that matter, where there's potential for somebody to hack a particular device and actually cause harm, you know, serious injury or harm or even death. Um, to somebody who's actually interacting with that particular device. So definitely have a look at that NIST framework um, to see, you know, what they put together as far as cyber, cyber physical security recommendations. And then as far as uh, security conferences go, um, instead of starting, instead of listing them out in the podcast, um, it's actually in the show notes on the website. Um, craigsmith.net under podcast. Um, so actually the links are, if you're looking for upcoming conferences um, that involve Internet of Things, um, do have a look at the Internet of Things event site. And then also um, Concise Courses um, also has a pretty comprehensive list of IoT security events. So again, if you're looking for any up, upcoming conferences that might be in your area, do take a look at those two sites, and they should give you some uh, information on upcoming conferences in the IOT area. Okay, so in the area of learning about um, Internet of Things, um, there's several um, devices and so forth that I've mentioned in previous podcasts, but just to list a few for this podcast, um, of course there's the Raspberry 2, or Raspberry Pi uh, 2, which is the one I've been experimenting with um, using uh, Windows 10 IOT Core on. Um, there's also, Intel also has a device, IOT device, called Galileo. Um, and there's actually, and I've actually got one of these ordered, so I haven't received it yet. So once I get that in, I'll probably actually try to make a video of it, of it like I did with the uh, Raspberry Pi and Windows 10 IoT. Um, but they've also, in addition to device, they've also got what they call an Intel IoT developer series. So definitely just do a Google search for that and have a look at that. That's another device you can actually play with. Um, and I think the developer series also has some other things um, other components that you can use uh, with the board, like blinky lights and uh, LCDs and that sort of thing. Um, then the other thing I've actually received just a little while ago, and I still haven't had a chance to play with it, uh, is the Onion Omega. 
again, once I start messing with that, I'll probably make a short video for that one as well. Um, again, those are three different devices you could actually, they're pretty inexpensive, um, that you could actually purchase, um, uh, to basically just, you know, learn about various things as far as IOT goes. And then just a few things to bring up as far as the IOT community is concerned. Um, so, there's a new version of the Car Hackers Handbook, um, which you can get early access to on nostarch.com. Um, but I believe the um, release version is coming out in January of next year. So that's actually by, written by Craig Smith. Yes, there's another Craig Smith that cares about IoT stuff. So he's, and it's not me, um, so he's um, heavily involved in car hacking, obviously, since he's writing a book about it. But be sure to check that out. Um, I got the the early access, has a few chapters available. Um, and they're all pretty interesting, so for sure have a look at that um, and, you know, buy yourself a copy of the uh, Car Hacker's Handbook that's coming out. Um, also, I was going to say, too, um, if look in your area to see if there are any OWASP chapters available. Um, for sure, you want to get involved in those. Um, I mean, not only from a web application standpoint or a mobile standpoint, um, but as we continue to expand the OWASP Internet of Things project, um, you'll probably start seeing um, IoT um, talks or discussions crop up in your uh, local OWASP chapter. So speaking of the OWASP Internet of Things project, um, so we just last week we've put together quite a few um, um, updates into the um, site itself. We also changed the layout. Um, instead of having the various tabs, if you've looked at it before um, with various parts, we're actually, what we're trying to do is combine uh, what we had in there to just a few tabs. So basically what's gonna happen, there's a main tab obviously, which is the main Internet of Things project, uh, which gives you a description of the overall project itself. And then under uh, individual tabs, there'll be um, individual sub-projects of the main Internet of Things um, project site. So like for now, there are a few projects up there right now. So there's like the attack surface areas. Um, there's also the IoT top 10 from 2014 that we put together. And then we've also added, um, which there'll be more information coming on this, we've added a tab or a sub-project um, that involves ICS and SCADA systems. Um, so each one of those uh, sub-projects, they'll kind of be like... Um, well, they'll be in. They'll be following the traditional OWASP project, where there'll be some project leaders and contributors and all that sort of thing. Um, and then I also wanted to mention too um, one of the one of the guys that's added quite a bit of content up there um, on the OWASP site is um, Justin Klein Keen. So he's one of the major contributors for the overall Internet of Things project. So he's been adding quite a bit of various things. Um, Kind of from his perspective, um, as far as working for a company that actually um, develops and sells IoT devices. So for sure, go out there and have a look at the uh, updates and the kind of the new layout for the OWASP Internet of Things project site. Okay, so one of the things I mentioned, I think, in the <clears throat> last podcast was that I wanted to try to start adding... Um, some articles or stories or whatever to the podcast involving the industrial Internet of Things. So a couple of things I've added in this week. Um, so the first one is an article uh, from actually tripwire.com. Um, um, so I'm sure most people know who Tripwire is. So anyway, they put the put together the five key challenges for the industrial Internet of Things. So 
I'll just go through these real quick. Um, so key challenge number one, selling on device capabilities. Seems an obvious one. Um, key challenge number two, supply chain concerns. Um, key challenge number three is security, which I'm surprised that it's not um, at the top, but at least it's better than it being at the bottom. So anyway, so key challenge number three, again, it's security. Uh, key challenge number four is bridging the gaps that divide us. Um, and then key challenge number five is safety. And then the second uh, story involving the industrial internet thing is, comes from Honey, Honeywell. So it's actually a pr pretty cool little video they put together, um, basically talking about the you know how their product can help you if you're into the in industrial internet things. Uh, so it's supposed to be able to help you in areas like maximizing connectivity of real-time operating data, um, automate predictive analytics, um, and it's also um, supposed to enable increased co collaboration. Um, but anyway, it's a neat little motion graphics video. Um, just you know, plugging their plugging their product, obviously. Um, but anyway, it's pretty cool to look at. So uh, yeah, just have a look at it. Okay, so that is the podcast for the week. Um, you know, as I've mentioned in uh, past podcasts, if you have any questions, concerns, or whatever, you just want to reach out to me, uh, you can hit me up on uh, over email at craigz28 at craigsmith.net, or I'm also on the Twitters, um, craigz28. Um, or you can also go to craigsmith.net under the podcast section and leave a comment or whatever for a particular podcast. And again, also the show notes are on craigsmith.net um, and also the links to any of the articles that were discussed in the podcast. So have a look at the site if you're looking for the show notes. Um, again, hit me up if you want to, um, questions or concerns. Um, other than that, uh, have a great day.